All right, good evening, guys. We're so glad that you joined us here this one. Give yourselves a hand for making it to church on a Wednesday. Halfway through the week. So glad that you joined us here in person or if you're watching online. Um, I want to do things a little bit differently today. This message is going to be about getting our worship on to getting and experience Jesus for who he is. So I just want to have a little bit of clap and worship and praise. Act like you can have Jesus listen to you all way up there. We're going to keep going until I like it. This is, we can praise, we can get, there you go. Man, God's doing things. He's doing tons of things. And it's exciting to come here and worship along our brothers and sisters in Christ. A chance where we come together and have fellowship and have table talk and just get to learn from the greatest teacher of all, Jesus Christ. So it's going to be a fun night. We're going to continue our series for the book of John. But I'm still in this worship mood, so I want to do something a little bit differently. I'm going to have the scripture thrown up for Psalm 100. And we're going to just have a little bit of worship. So just follow along with me. It says, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him, singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Make some more noise. This is, I mean, that should give us some hope right there. We get to sing praise. We get to come together, and we get to have constant communication with our Lord and Savior. We get to worship for things going on in our lives. But I got to tell you that sometimes we start piling some stuff up where our worship gets taken out a little bit. So let me just read it like I would at home and what I've been used to. So shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. And then I see, oh, I got to check my ESPN feed real, real fast. I got to check the scores to see what's going on. Okay. Worship the Lord with gladness. Oh, hey, buddy. Man, I didn't know you were coming by today. I was just reading something, but I can come back to it, no problem. Okay, no, 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 I'll be all right. I start back a couple, couple hours later. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are his. What's that, babe? You're hungry? Oh, it's date night. All right, all right. Well, I can probably come back. No, no, I'm not busy. I'm not doing anything. Don't worry about it. I'll just come back. Okay, okay, this is the end of the night. I can get done. I know I can finish this. For the Lord is good. Is that the time? Dude, it is bedtime. And plus, Golden Girls is on right now? I'm, gonna, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. We get so busy in our lives that for some reason, the first thing we put on the back burner is Jesus. But I want to I sing praise. I want to make this the number one priority of what we get to do with. So what we're going to be studying tonight in this second chapter of John is seeing Jesus come right back to us. See Jesus start getting a little angry 
and say, Jesus, start making a pathway for us to just remember where we are supposed to be going, where we're supposed to be looking to, and who we're supposed to be worshiping with. So let's go ahead. Let's crack open those Bibles. We're going to get started with our scripture tonight in John. So please stand with me if you're able to stand. If you need a Bible, we have tons of Bibles in the back. We have note cards. We have pens. We're throwing it up on the the big screens. We're going to go to verses 13 and 14. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. And in the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Let's pray. Lord, we humbly come before you and ask for you to just enter our hearts and our souls today. That you just let scripture jump out of the Bible that really needs to be said to us. That you just use us as vessels. That this is your night. We have chances to make bonds with our brothers and sisters. We have chances to just get emotional. We have chances to worship you and just get in contact. Make this personal, Lord. We love you and we thank you. It's your powerful name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. So I'm going to do a little bit of backstory. We're starting off something where we're talking about the Jewish Passover. I'm not the best historian here on the Journey staff, but we're going to go through this together. I'm warning you up front, it's Old Testament. If I see you falling asleep, I'm going to get some water and back and start spraying it at you. So stay with me. <laughs> so we're talking about the Jewish Passover, which celebrates the deliverance of the Israelites out of Egypt. That night where the angel of death, the coolest wrestling name of all, went over all the households and the ones that were marked from the blood of the lamb, he spared. So they have this celebration to say, hey, we made it. This is awesome. This is the Passover celebration. If you like homework, which some of you do for some reason, go ahead and read Exodus 12 at home for fun. This will tell you the whole backstory about this Check it out. Make sure what I'm not telling you is a whole big lie. We like you to fact check. But the celebration of Passover also commenced the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. So the entire Passover celebration takes about a week. I'm trying to stick to my notes so I don't screw this up. There were a lot of people there. Every Jewish male from 12 years old and up were required to go to this Passover celebration. And on the 10th day, there's very specific rules. On the 10th day, you would have to go and buy this lamb and have to be under a year, blemish-free, and on the 14th day, you would kill it. All this stuff where you really got to get it done. Now, there's also all these fancy rituals that they'd have at each home. You would have foot washing, there'd be hand washing, there'd be lots of prayer. For some reason, they had four cups on the tables for different wines. Read into it. That's not what the story is about, but I want you to at least get the facts behind it. But Jesus has gone to Jerusalem because he keeps the law that was given to him. Because he's perfect. That's Jesus. And that's from Deuteronomy chapter 16. This is the last Old Testament. You guys can do it. 
Each year, every man in Israel must celebrate these three festivals, the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of harvest, and the festival of shelters. On each of these occasions, all men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he chooses. But they must not appear before the Lord without a gift for him. That's the backstory. Now we're ready. We're ready to, to jump into this. And I promise you it's going to get more exciting. So in verse 14, it says, The temple area he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Now see, this Passover is the most popping place to be. There's tons of people there. Already said, all these Jewish males from 12 and up are there, so all the grandpas and uncles and cousins and every guy you could ever imagine is there. Plus the foreigners are coming around. Plus there's the worshipers coming. And on top of that, now we have merchants setting up shop, selling all these barnyard animals and setting up a currency exchange. Out of all those people coming to the temple, there are people upon people, and there are cows, and there's sheep, and there's tables. Suddenly, there's no room to worship anymore. We've just blocked everything off for us to make a pathway to have some alone time with God. And back then, that was definitely a problem. What made it even worse is that these people were ripping people off at the temple. The merchants would overprice everything. See, that's how you know it's a bad message. That's the, that's the doomsday message button, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to lie anymore, God. I'm going to do this better. All right. But we had all these people setting up shop. And what they would do is that you'd have to travel with an animal. If you wanted to bring your own, go on this long journey, it's not worth it. The animals would get hurt. They'd die. So what they knew these merchants, is that they would have to buy a perfect animal. So they set up shop, charge an arm and a leg for it. Doves were selling for like $5, and if you're cool on dove exchange, they're like five cents normally back in the day. All sorts of different monies getting ripped off at the most holiest place in the area. No wonder Jesus can't believe his eyes as he steps foot moving towards the temple. Piles and piles of hay and stuff that goes in hay. Animals. It's more of a barnyard than a place of sacred worship. Everything is getting blocked off for these people that are coming to worship and they have to see all these people. If Jesus goes and looks, he's like, how am I going to get through to worship when there's so much stuff in front of me? And that's where we're going to stop tonight and start talking. Because I feel like that's going on in our lives right now. Is that we are pulling so many things in our lives in front of us that we can't get to Jesus for some reason. That we are trying to stay as busy as possible to fill our times up so we look like we're busy. We look like we're super successful. We look like we're the, the most important person in the world. And there's no time for Jesus if I fill up my day with all these things that are trying to pull me in. Our so-called temple has been blocked. So I want us to do some table talk today. I want you to get to know your people around you. If you're at a, a table with just a couple people, try to combine them, at least four people, so you can get to know and get the talking going. But our table talk tonight will be up on the screen.
What are we putting in the way of our worship? And what are we doing to distract our time with God? What blocks, what different things are we pulling in? Is it our job? Is it going to be our studies? Is it going to be our TV watching? Is it going to be our social events? What is stopping our worship time with God and our alone time for praise? So go ahead, spend a few moments together talking about that. All right. We're going to have another table talk, so don't worry. Are we making time for God to be a part of our lives so we can worship, so we can talk, that we can pray? Or are we hoarding the time all for ourselves? Are we trying to pull so many things into our lives to make us look busy that we're pushing Jesus out each time we pull something else in? But if we're getting so busy, then what's the point? Without Jesus, we wouldn't have the chance to do any of the things that we're enjoying. Without Jesus, we don't get a chance to breathe. Without Jesus, we don't get a chance to have a job. Without Jesus, we don't get a chance to live this amazing life. Without Jesus, we're not saved. This is the person that we keep trying to push out for some reason. This is the most important person. Why am I getting so distracted when all I have to do is focus on Jesus and he can make a way. He can make us less distracted. He can make time for everything that we need to have in our lives. But you know what I love? I love how Jesus answers this next part in Scripture. Because I look at this and I'm like, this is my Jesus right here. Because I grew up in the backyard wrestling days. And this is all about tables, ladders, and chairs. This is my Jesus flying through because he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. He's not afraid to get a little angry. He's not afraid to help us get our priorities back in order. So let's look at spicy Jesus. In verses 15 and 16, Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle. He scattered the money changers' coins over the floor and turned over the tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. He goes and he flips some tables. He's chasing people around with a whip. There's barnyard animals going all over the place. There's people running everywhere. There's doves flying around. There's change going everywhere. This is our Jesus, and I love it. This is what he wants. Because sometimes we're going to need a kick in the butt. But you know what the cool thing is? Is that Jesus loves us enough to kick us in the butt in the first place. That he wants this personal relationship of worship. He knows that we need God in our lives. He knows it. And he knows how we are. That we like to get distracted. Where we can be thinking of one thing and it's like, oh, pretty butterfly. He knows that we have a problem with getting grounded. And any distraction that we can use will be used to take us more back into the world. But Jesus comes and he flips everything on top of each other. It looks more like a barnyard. I got to say, it's just amazing. But the problem is that we're hard-headed. <laughs> but thank God that we have a, a Savior that knows that. This is the first time that he clears out the temple. 
Notice I say first time. He's going to later have to clear it out all over again. He can come through and flip tables and do all sorts of stuff. He can cook us in the butt. And yet, we still have that chance to go right back to where we were before. But he knows that so well. He knows that we need to see the difference. He knows we need to experience things. He knows that the more that we hear and we see and experience it, the more that we're able to connect and get it. And in verse 17, he even ties in to other scripture. It says, this disciples, Then his disciples remembered the prophecy from the scriptures, Passion for God's house will consume me. And this is scripture that was remembered previously from Psalm 69 when David was writing things. Passion for your house has consumed me and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Sometimes when I go back and read these sections and I see that it was prophesied beforehand and it comes to the past, it's like, ah, You got it. I understand now. I can see it. This is our chance to learn from the previous things so we don't keep falling into the same trap. He did it with his disciples, trying to teach them each step of the way. This is what's happening, guys. Pay attention. This is who I am. And yet even walking with them, it was hard for them to realize who he was. But we get this chance to be Christ-like, right? That's the whole thing, that we're supposed to be like Christ. So we're allowed to get a little spicy. We're allowed to get angry. We're allowed to flip over some tables. Maybe not right now. But we're allowed to get pumped up for Jesus. We're allowed to get emotional for Jesus. We're allowed to clap. We're allowed to sing. We're allowed to get angry. We're allowed to praise. We're allowed to worship. All these things are supposed to be happening because of our direct connection with God. It's amazing. The world can be a a tough place. And we need to bring a change to this world. So when I'm saying you need to fight for Jesus, I'm not saying as soon as we get done here, you're walking down the street, you punch some person and be like, Jesus loves you. (laughs) This is about going through and helping your spouse or your family member know Jesus. This is about going out into the world and saying, looking at the school system and say, let's not take God out of the school system. Let's bring him back in. Let's not take God out of the country. Let's bring him back in. Let's stop taking God out of all these situations that need God the most and bring him back. That we have a chance to stay with him, work with him, learn from him, and worship to him. It's amazing. Jesus' whole legacy, every step of the way, was he would have to go and prove himself because people just wouldn't get who he was. So that's why at times like this, he goes a little extreme. It's like, all right, you still don't understand what's going on? You still don't understand the covenant we're supposed to have? Here, let me flip everything up. Here's a straight path so we can come and worship together. But how are we going to fight that together? And this is your second table talk tonight. And this is getting personal. Because this may be someone directly in our lives that mean the absolute most to us that aren't on the Jesus train yet. Whose tables, who in your lives do we need to flip over tables for? 
Who do we need to show Jesus to help intercede with their lives? And who do we need to fight for? And how are we going to do that? If you know some people in your lives that have so many appointments and reservations and so much things going on that they have zero relationship with Jesus, how are you going to help them get to a point where they can start worshiping with you? How are you going to have a Bible study with them? So have some few moments, start talking about it, get personal. They may be at your table, but this is how they get to know that you love them even more. Go ahead, guys. All right, we're going to come back together. Feel free to continue this after our sermon tonight. You guys don't have to leave right away. But I want to see how Jesus handles the situation. So in verse 18, it says, But the Jewish leaders demanded, What are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. The Jewish leaders see Jesus causing a ruckus, flipping stuff over, going crazy, and they're like, well, you got to have pretty high authority to do that. Who do you think you are? You have to prove it. Prove that you have this authority. And Jesus says the coolest answer ever. In verse 19, he says, all right. That's, all, I mean, that's my favorite. That's the whole thing. That's the end of the message. <laughs> in verse 19, he says, all right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. What, they exclaimed, has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days? But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. At this time, this is a, a rebuilt temple that Herod had gone through, taken 46 years, still being built, it's not finished. And Jesus is like, yeah, I can knock this down, build it up in three days. And they're probably walking away, ah, oh, crazy Jesus, I don't understand what you're doing. But they don't get it. They're just thinking about what's right in their face. They're not digging in a little bit more. And when I say that we're to fight with Je for Jesus, it's not always flipping over tables and getting angry. Sometimes we've got to use words. And he's the greatest teacher with this because he's talking about such an amazing thing. He's like, you guys don't even need to come to the temple anymore. I'm, I'm the temple. I'm the thing that you need to be going to. You guys just don't realize it yet. And he's prophesying about what's going to happen. And who's going to be affected by this? It's going right over their head. It's going right over the disciples' head. And the moment that he dies and the three days he gets raised again, they're like, oh, I see it. Jesus. Now they can see the power, and now they feel so equipped that they can start going through and spreading the gospel like they're supposed to. They're able to tell people about this worship experience. They're saying, you know what? We don't even need this temple. We can just start worshiping right here and get in tune with God. All because of what Jesus was able to do. All because he's like, I can destroy this because it's me you're looking for. It's amazing. He lays down the groundwork for all the unexplainable things sometimes that we get to experience. As we close out our scripture tonight, the people, the leaders, they wanted proof that Jesus is God. And little did they know that the most important proof of that was going to happen. But in verse 23, 
It says, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. I'm figuring at that temple, the moment that everything happened, the moment they flipped everything over and tried to prove a point, that next day the merchants came right back to the temple and set up shop again. So I want to go through and I want to challenge us. It says right here in the scripture that Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. He knew human nature. I want Jesus to look at me and trust me. I want him to look deep into my soul and say, he's getting it. He's not just a Sunday believer. He's not just a certain Sunday believer, maybe once or twice a month. That I'm not flooding my day full of all sorts of things. Trust me, I could make my day super busy and I can sound important. But I make sure that if I start my day with Jesus and I end my day with Jesus, that day is a whole heck of a lot better. The more that we can bring Jesus into the world and into our lives, the more that we make time for this worship, the more that we make time for one-on-one time with Jesus, the more that we can see all the scripture come to life is the more that we get ready to fight for what Jesus needs in this world. And that's more of him. So I encourage us as we go to our workplace, as we go to school, as we go home, that we set not only time aside for God, but places of just complete silence and happiness and just lay it all out on the line. God doesn't choose what he wants to hear. He wants to hear the whole life that we have going on. He wants to be a part of each and everything, and he wants us to get down on our knees. He wants us to sing. He wants us to clap. He wants us to give every little thing that we have to him. If you feel like you're too busy, God can organize it. If you feel like you're too lost, God is there to save. If you feel like your spouse, your significant other is just too far gone, they're not. Because God made that pathway back to it. We have a loving, nurturing, amazing Savior. We have a Savior that's ready to kick us in the butt when we need it and embrace us when we need a warm hug. Let's step forward with us together. Let's worship. Let's go out these doors. Let's turn on our radios. Let's just say randomly, I love you, Jesus. Let's do anything we can to give back to the one that's given us so much. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that we can come to a place and just worship you. I ask you to just break the barriers, whether we feel silly singing, where we feel uncomfortable. Lord, I just ask you to just make it all an ease for us, that we do it more and more times and we just get used to it, Lord, that we make this worship a part of our lives, that any free moment that we have, we just give it right to you. And I know you'll make more time happens for things that we need to get done, Lord. Or even as we do things, as we vacuum, we just say, thank you, God. As we sweep, we say, we love you, God. As we cook dinner, we're just saying, this is all because of you, God. We thank you. 
Let's get ready to fight for God. Let's get ready to flip over tables in our families' lives. Let's get ready to just be on fire for Jesus. Let's just take this all in. Try to have the eyes that Jesus had, how he felt as he looked at that temple filled with nonsense. Keep that in your heart and say, I don't want that in my life, Lord. Open this up. Use me and make me yours. It's your powerful name we pray. All God's people said, amen.